Uh, our kids, if you're here, you get to stay with us this morning, being it, it being a uh, family Sunday and a holiday weekend. Uh, I'm really glad you're here, though, and I think you will. We're going to need you this morning because the psalm we're going to look at is going to ask a lot of our imagination. So I need you to be putting your imagining caps on, um, and that'll help us out this morning. Uh, one of the fun things I think is we're this summer we're going through these psalms in order is that you never know exactly what's going to come next. Uh, when you read through them a lot, you know, the, in some ways they can start to sound the same and you hear similar phrases in one and another. Uh, but then when you stop and ha- you know have the uh, the the opportunity to really dig into one deep, then you start to find some uniquenesses there, and they all turn out to be very interesting. Uh, I have found this psalm to be totally fascinating this week, um, mostly because it is about a thunderstorm. Uh, this whole psalm um, is a poetic description of a huge thunderstorm that is moving through um, the the land of Israel, which is maybe a, an appropriate thing for us to dwell on now, being as hot as it is in Alabama uh, in the summertime. We have no shortage of thunderstorms here um, around us. Um, but let me, so I, I want you to, as we read it, so that you'll keep that in mind and um, you can pick up the clues as we go along. But let me read it for us, and then I'll pray for us, and we'll dig in and we will um, see what this says about our lives. This is Psalm number 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. And may the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Dear Father in heaven, uh, we ask that through your word this morning that you have given us as a gift, uh, that your voice would indeed ring loudly and true to us. Uh, May we hear it and may our hearts be in tune to it, uh, that we too might cry glory before it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, there's a phenomenon that I'm sure you're aware of. Um, it might occur in your house on a daily basis as it does mine. Uh, but have you ever been in a room with a lot of people and over time the volume in that room, it just starts to creep louder and louder and louder slowly over time? Um, like if you've been to a mingling function or something like that. Um, and it's not because the people there necessarily want to talk loudly, but it's just that phenomenon that when you want to be heard, and there are all kind of other voices going on around you, then you have to speak just a little bit louder than the person next to you, and that raises the noise, so the person next to you has to speak a little bit louder than them, and then the others have to speak a little bit louder than them, 
And before long, there's this whole hum going on in the room and everybody's shouting at each other and no one knows exactly why or what's going on. Um, this is, a, this is I think, one of the reasons this psalm is here. It is because of this phenomenon and that as we are surrounded by voices all the time that they cry out for our attention, um, they spark a response in us, um, and there is no shortage of them. Um, but it is, often, it is the loudest one that always gets our attention. And I think when we look at our lives and all of the things that we have contending for us on a daily basis, um, when we have the word of the Lord um, given to us, God's voice, His revelation that He has communicated to us, I would just ask, is that the loudest thing um, that usually commands our attention uh, before everything else? Sometimes it is. I think sometimes we would say it's especially meaningful or powerful to us. Uh, but it doesn't take much for something to happen, like an emergency to happen. Um, you know, we'll witness some event. Um, something just screams for our attention loudly in our hearts. They just jump and they grab onto that thing. And whatever that thing is, um, that is the only thing we are listening to uh, at the time. And so this, the interesting thing about this psalm is I think what God is doing in here is he is grabbing on to something particular, being a thunderstorm, one of the forces of nature that has an especially loud voice and something that we all recognize and that does grab our attention. And he is attaching it to his own voice and he's drawing a lot of conclusions from it so that in whatever it is we're facing and whatever the storm is and whatever the voices are, that his voice would be clarified and that it would be discernible above everything else. That it would be the central thing that we would latch on to. And thunderstorms, I mean, there are just no end of illustrations of this. I mean, we had one a few weeks ago in our house in the middle of the night. I mean, it just shook our house. Like, it woke me up every time it thundered, then the, the windows would rattle. You know, I heard our kids in the other room and went and got one who was awake and looked down at the other and just saw two big white eyeballs sticking out from underneath the, the sheets. I mean, it was just arresting. Like, even me going into their room to say, it's okay, it's just a thunderstorm, like there's nothing to be afraid of. When the thunder would hit and the house would shake, my heart rate would just go, and it would jump up. I mean, it's arresting. It's something completely powerful. I heard a, a, another pastor one time uh, talk about a time he went to, a, it was a, I don't believe it was a nursing home. It was a, like an assisted living home uh, where he had a Bible study for a bunch of elderly ladies. And he asked them one time, what are the things they're most afraid of? And one of them, the answer was thunderstorms. And then another one chimed in and said, yeah, for me too, like thunderstorms. Like this is, is, even in the age we're in and the, and the, all the capacities that we have in life, there's just something particular about thunderstorms that they grab our attention and that they show us that of all our capabilities, uh, all the things we have and all the things we know about, that it only takes one peal of thunder and we automatically are put back in our place and feel very, very small and at the mercy of nature. It's one of the loudest voices, and it's one that we all universally recognize. But it's in this context that God is using um, to, he is talking about thunderstorms, 
But in this, did you hear when I read it, just this repetition it is the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord again and again and again. And he is using this phenomena that we all know to draw our attention to something else and something much more important. That there is a voice here that it is imperative that we hear and that we differentiate from the rest of the noise. And so here, this is how I want to go about this. I'm going to read this. Uh, One commentator said this, which I think is absolutely true after studying this. I really, really like it. He said, it's best simply to let the wonder and awesomeness of this psalm sweep and swirl around us until we are so possessed in spirit by the majesty of the Lord that we too cry glory. And this psalm at its very core is a poem. It's using evocative imagery that's making us feel something um, at least as much as it's teaching something intellectually. So what I want to do is I want to first just walk through the psalm and go verse by verse and explain what is happening and kind of to help us get in the middle of it. I mean, we can imagine that we are in the middle of a thunderstorm um, as it is passing by us just through the language here. Um, and that is, that is one of the most powerful parts about this psalm, I think, is just feeling it. But when we do that, then we'll draw some conclusions and ask, what does it mean? Um, and from that, then we'll be able to apply it and say, so what does this mean to us practically uh, on a day-to-day basis? But that's kind of the order of what I want to go. I want to interrogate it and say, what does it say? What does it mean? And then uh, what does it call for in us? So if you would take out, if you got your worship folder in front of you or a Bible, then uh, if you would follow along with me, then that would be helpful. Uh, but it starts here uh, with this scene It says, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, and ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And these heavenly beings, and they are just that. Uh, They might be angels. They might be part of the the crowd around the throne of heaven that is often described in different ways in different parts of the Bible. um, That we don't know exactly what they are, but it's, it's starting us off from the vantage point of heaven. So before we even get to, this, to the earth, we're being taken to witness something that is happening in heaven uh, um, before God's throne and in the midst of his heavenly court. And it's alluding here to, in this scene, to ascribe uh, to the Lord uh, glory and strength as to give him the credit for those things. And goes on to say, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name and to worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So you get the impression right out of the gate that God is about to do something. So he is summoning his, his heavenly court all around him. And he is about to, to uh, which what we'll, know we'll, find, we'll find out later, is he is about to reveal his glory on earth, uh, in the creation, not just in heaven. But it is so important to him, he is gathering his full crew to witness. And he is calling them to attention Uh, to adorn themselves in an array, uh, being ready to watch this, because what is going to happen here is something that is incredibly glorious. And then we get down here into verse 3, and it's saying, The voice of the Lord is over the waters, and the glory of the Lord thunders, and the Lord over many waters. And this could mean a couple things. It could mean the, the Mediterranean Sea, and it could mean the waters that are stored up high uh, in the heavens, above the clouds. Uh, either one of those. But what the imagery we want to get is that you're there, you're an Israelite, you're here in Israel, and up north, then there are these distant rumblings, and you know exactly what that is. That there is thunder coming. You can just imagine the change of color on the clouds. You hear it that is coming from far off. 
um, and it is heading right towards us. And then it starts to break forth more powerful. The voice of the Lord is powerful. And the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. So there's an escalation here in what is happening. And that, ro- that rolling of thunder, it is coming and it is bearing down on us and it is getting louder and louder and louder the closer it gets. Then in verse 5, the voice of the Lord, it breaks the cedars. And the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. And he shakes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a, wi- a young wild ox. So these are two points in the far north of Israel where the storm is starting. Um, Sirion, um, is, this, is a, this is the highest mountain um, that is in the land, the highest, most majestic, uh, uttermost point. And it is over against the cedars of Lebanon, which are these big majestic trees, um, that they are very, very important to Israel. The temple was actually made out of these trees. They are huge, they are strong, they are used to uh, make fortifications for the city. Um, They are beautiful in adorning the temple. They're something that is traded. It is one of the valuable things to trade here in the land. Um, This is what that kind of represents, as one commentator said, this represents the height of man's achievement of what they can do. It's a symbol for the power and the craftsmanship um, and the wealth of humankind. And what's happening before the voice of the Lord? This thunderstorm has rolled in. And we get this picture like they are just waving, like they are bending down and they're waving back and forth and they are cracking. You ever been in the woods in the middle of a thunderstorm and you see them just waving around and you hear all these cracking around you and you can't even see them all. But it's just like, um, you know, after a storm, sometimes we say things like trees are snapped like matchsticks. So these giant things that represent a lot of human pride are just reduced to like matchsticks in the wind. Uh, They are waving around and we can just feel our fear uh, rising. Uh, It's almost like the whole mountains are skipping and they're shaking. Uh, You know, it feels like when a storm comes our way that even the earth itself is shaking. And we get down the voice of the Lord. It keeps coming. The Lord flashes forth flames of fire. I love this translation, those four Fs. It's just good alliteration, but it actually... It's kind of helpful because in Hebrew, if you look at it, there's just three words here of flashing forth flames of fire, and they are quick, and they are direct, and it's kind of a chaotic verse. And so it's like, as a poet uses even the way words come, that's imitating that of lightning. The thunder's coming, the storm's coming, the, the, the trees are waving, and lightning is just zapping all around. And you can just imagine how small you would feel at this time. And the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. This is down in the south. So it's passing through the land from the north going down to the southernmost uh, place. You can picture sand all whirled up. It's shaking the very wilderness down there. And then we get this odd little verse. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. Like what in the world is going on here? So I first read this psalm and I was like, oh, that's cute. There's something, uh, he's powerful and tender at the same time. Uh, that's not really what this is saying. Um, there, it's hard to interpret. There could be two things. The one is that the storm is actually forcing the deer to give into premature birth. They're so scared of the storm. More likely, it actually shouldn't be translated deer. It should be translated cedars or large trees or oaks, sorry, or large trees. Uh, the, the consonants are the same. So if you know anything about Hebrew, then the vowels are not original to the, 
to what was written in. They, they were appointed later just by uh, interpreting what the consonants mean. So it would be a very small shift from the word for deer to a big oak. So either one, the thing we're to get from here is that there's terror being instilled in all the, all the place, whether they're creatures or, or trees, everything is at the mercy of this storm. Um, and then we get down here to verse 10, and things are make an interesting, um, strike an interesting tone and a shift. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. This is the, the word for flood. This is the only time this word was mentioned except for Genesis chapter 6 through 11 where there was the great flood with Noah. Every other time in the Bible it uses a different word. And so this is in particular is equating this storm with the storm that happened um, in the days of Noah in which God passed judgment over the whole land where the whole earth being covered with water and storm. Also the first time in the Bible that lightning and thunder were attributed uh, with rain as well. Um, but so we get here just this pinnacle of, rem- of remembering the might of what the Lord is capable of through nature in this. And yet, the Lord sits enthroned as forever. And then it ends, May the Lord give strength to his people. And may the Lord bless his people with peace. Which again, if we're thinking about this in terms of the flood, the flood was a story of judgment, but it was also a story of the way that God preserved his earth and he preserved his people through it in the Ark of the Covenant. It is when there was a rainbow that was also put at the end of the storm as it passed away that signified something between God and his people. One commentator actually said this last verse is kind of like a rainbow over the end of this psalm. You can kind of picture the storm. It brought our adrenaline up. It made us feel very small and at mercy of all things. And then as almost as quick as it flared up, it was just gone. And then there was peace. The storm came and it went. That's that's a pretty dramatic psalm. Like there aren't that many that just um, in this way, they're just painting such a vivid picture of something um, that is true about God. And you can think of your own, you know, stories of being in the middle of a thunderstorm and what that was like. And I think, I mean, I, I thought of just uh, several um, in thinking through this psalm, but that's on purpose. So this, what it's trying to do is it's trying to connect with our experience. Here's something you know. Here's something that does make you feel small. Here's something that you do feel at the mercy of before. And it uses that to connect here with the voice of the Lord, to say something about him. So where does that leave us? This is just what it says. Um, This is if we just unpack all of this, we got in the middle of this storm that is the psalm, and it's evoking all of these responses inside as the um, um, uh, before hear this voice of the Lord. But it brings us to that question, which is, um, you know, the most important, what we're driving at. What does this mean at the end of the day? What do we do with this? Is this just entertainment for us? Um, is this um, just a poet showing off? Uh, are we just supposed to be afraid of the voice of the Lord? I mean, what's going on here? And there are a couple of things, and I've just distilled this down into it's, it's a poetic way of, of doing two things at the same time. It's taking certain attributes of one, and it is using them to amplify the aspects of the other. So the storm is amplifying certain aspects about God's voice, And God's voice is also amplifying certain aspects about the storm as well. So in the first place, the way it's comparing God's voice to a storm is it's showing that um, 
you know, this is just a natural phenomenon that, that occurs all the time. And this is something that we would be afraid of, but imagine yourself being a farmer in Israel um, who doesn't even know where these storms come from. Um, maybe, you know, it could be the gods, it could be anything like that. But it is definitely something to be feared. But what God is saying through this is that when you see this, when you observe this power of nature, that this is actually saying something about the power of God himself. That he is the one who, who made, as the creator, who made all of these things. There is not one thing that happens that does not happen by his design. There is not one process in nature, in the world, um, that was not created to function that way by him. He is the Lord, even at the worst, even over the flood. He sits and he reigns forever above all of these things. So there's almost a lesser to the greater sense here is that when we see these things that make us afraid here on earth, uh, they are actually opportunities in some ways is to look beyond them to the one who made them and who preserve, who presides as king over them. The Lord is far higher and he is far stronger than a thunderstorm. And when we see it that way, it gives us a new set of lenses and a new set of eyes, even, even curiosity uh, when we look at the world around us. I can't help but think about Annie Dillard here, who I first found out from her writings through Eugene Peterson, who called her an exegete of creation. Like, we have a lot of exegetes of the Bible itself. Uh, But she, through a very spiritual lens, just spent time observing nature um, and drawing conclusions from it. And through the observations of this thing, she was able to see patterns that were very consistent with the Bible. And actually... Um, by observing through, crea- through creation, then a lot of the things that were said uh, just in words of the Bible is almost like they took on a 3D form. And they took on this air of mystery and of awe and of wonder uh, just through observation. That's one thing it's, it's doing. So it's taking the storm and it is actually uh, using it to highlight and to speak of the creator that is behind it. But it goes the other way as well. And I want us to picture ourselves here, not just farmers in Israel, but say we are worshipers in Israel. We are in the temple and we are singing this psalm together. And think about where we would have heard this phrase, the voice of the Lord, most often. It would have been in terms of God's covenant. That this covenant relationship that God established between himself and his people Uh, I I just did a search of this, and there were too many to even name. Again and again and again, it says, the voice of the Lord. Either positively, someone like Abraham, they obeyed the voice of the Lord and all of his commandments, or negatively, like in the prophets, my people have not listened to the voice of the Lord. They have not kept my commandments. So there's a tight link here between the voice of the Lord and the words that he he wrote down. The words he used to establish his covenant, uh, the words that come in the form of commandments, and those kind of things. So what's the argument here? The argument is, is that God's words, which might not, compared to some of these other things like thunderstorms, seem quite as scary or quite as powerful. But when we see them for what they really are, that there is something in what the Lord says in the way that he describes reality, in the way that he is the one who spoke and all reality came to being in the first place, that these words are more matter-of-fact and absolute and unmovable than a thunderstorm. They are very, very powerful things. 
And that, like, that means a few things to us. In the first place, like, in some ways, we, we should have a healthy awe of the things that God says uh, to us. And that they are not things to be taken lightly. Uh, the things that he says are of utmost importance. And they are not so lightly set aside as if they don't matter. And I think if you're anything like me, especially having grown up in the church and having had a healthy um, dose of knowing what the grace of the Lord is like, it is very, very easy at times to say, that's great. And then look at these other things and say, well, that doesn't matter that much. Like, it'll be okay in the long run. What I say kind of how I use my tone of voice, um, the little manipulations that I use all the time. Like, eh, it just, it really doesn't matter. Everything is going to come good in the long run. I do think this is an invitation as we do stand in awe before the power of God um, to self-examine a little bit and to look inside and just ask, is how we are living consistent with the things that the Lord has said? But as much as that is an application, of course, the covenant of God is much bigger than that. And I don't think this is given in order to pass judgment upon God's people, of through whom nobody was able to fully obey, even a little bit, the commandments of God. When we read through the prophets especially, it is again and again, my people have not obeyed my voice. My people have not listened. They have run after all kinds of other gods. Uh, All the time, they have my commandments with them, and they would not listen consistently again and again and again and again. And the thing is, especially when we, we kind of stand exposed before the throne of God, and we look in there, and we see those things that are there, and we know we're not right. The covenant of God says a whole lot more than just the commandments of what is right and what is wrong. You know, if we think about the covenant in general, the covenant started with all kinds of words that God spoke, both of commandment and of blessing. God eventually, uh, in the very beginning, said to Abraham, um, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. The one who dishonors you, I will curse, meaning those who would attack you, those who would threaten you, saying that God is the defender of his people. And those who bless you, I will bless. That through this people that God will actually bestow blessing. It is in this covenant that God made promises to his people of calling them out. He said, I bore you on eagle's wings and carried you to myself out of Egypt. How he had redeemed them. He made promises again and again and again in those same prophets where the prophet said they have not obeyed my voice, where he talks about the plans that I have for this people, this people of God who are currently in exile, that this is not the end of the story. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And this becomes so much more clear when we get to the New Testament and why we read John chapter 1. Like you get what's going on here. That Jesus is at, he is described as the Word. He is the voice of God incarnate. He is the one through whom all things were made. He came to earth in some way to clarify that this is what this story was always about.
from the very beginning. And guess what? He came to his own and his own didn't even know who he was. Speaking of having a hard time differentiating between one voice and the other. It was to these people that he came. And he came to lay down his life and rather than the full wrath of God be poured out upon his people, that it would be poured out on him. We just read that here in our Confession of Faith. And uh, you can flip over that and look at it in Romans chapter 5. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. That is pronounced, that's a legal term, pronounced as righteous, vindicated. That this one is not guilty anymore. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Those are God's words. That is God's pronouncement through Jesus, revealed in Jesus and pronounced over his people. A justified, not guilty, mine, my people. And it is through him he can say there is no death, there are no powers, there are no authorities, nothing in the earth that can separate us from the love of God. God's voice is a very powerful thing that he has given to us. And it is imperative for us, and I'm going to end with this, and this is just kind of what it means for us. Uh, It is imperative for us that we learn to differentiate his voice from all of the other voices for our good, not for our condemnation, so that we are called to him in our repentance, in our helplessness, in our need to be justified, our need for life. Y'all remember being a kid, did your parents tell you, like, of all the voices in the room, you have to learn how to pick my voice out? Now, oftentimes that wasn't good news, right? You know, we, all your siblings are screaming and your parents calls you and, and you have to know, like, there's not going to be another second chance at this. I'm, I've got to come when I'm called. I've got to know that voice. But it works both ways, too. Like, I mean, you can just picture a situation, uh, you might, if this has happened to you, where you get lost in a mall and you don't know where you are and you're trying to find your parents. Like, to have the ear that can hear your parents' voice who is calling out to you. And it's not just because they know your name, because, you know, there are a lot of creepy voices who could call your name out and you're going to be like, I'm not going with them. But you hear in your parents' voice who calls your name and I know, I know that is my parent, that is where I'm going, that is where I'm lost. And this is what, this is, I think, what I think this psalm is, is leading us to in the covenant of God. It's all of this drama that could be used for destruction. It ends here in, may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. It is calling us in further into this covenant relationship of living with him in life, of listening to him, of enjoying him, of enjoying the promises and the words that have been spoken over us. Because those words are more powerful than a thunderstorm. They are immovable and they are absolute. When God says it, it will happen. And so the last thing here, the invitation to us, this is something for us to examine this week, to examine our, our, our hearts, um, to think about his voice and the ones that we really respond to. But since this is a psalm that is given for corporate worship, this is also something for us to sing and to rehearse together, which is what we're doing right now. This is one of the applications. And we're going to move into song right now. 
um, and we have a chance to sing together of the glory of the Lord. And then we have a chance to partake together as a family of the table the physical word that God has given to us, the gospel of good news. So I want to invite us here at the end to partake of those things with our full hearts, uh, to sing loudly, to come and to feast with joy, um, and to enjoy uh, these words, this revelation of God uh, that he has given to us. Uh, Let me pray for us. Dear Jesus, we humbly ask uh, of all of the noise in the crowd, even above the thunderstorm, we would be able to hear your voice. Uh, that we would look for it and we would search for it and that we would be totally sold out in every aspect of our life uh, that we might know it and we might hear it. Uh, Help us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.